Welcome to Stop Wasting Your Wine, a wine review podcast where we waste our wine so you don't have to. On this episode, we review a red wine from France. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us again today. I am Joel, and uh, I am joined by two of the best ski ball players that I've ever, I've ever known in my life, Aaron and Colin. How are you guys doing today? Awesome. I'm just always amazed that we all found each other in college, like in that ski ball shack. You know, just like all playing and realizing we all had high scores, yeah. and then you know, decided to be best friends. Yeah, I'm. I'm surprised that there was a ski ball shack right there by campus that was florida's a weird place it's why you don't see that a lot <laughs> doing good i do pride myself on my ski ball skills so i'm just glad somebody recognizes the hours that i put into it so thank finally. you yeah finally, finally finally i get the recognition that i i think yeah. i deserve so spend weeks standing alone in chuck e cheese waiting for someone to tell me i'm doing a good job they just keep telling me to leave so many tickets and that's the secret <laughs> that the ski ball place is actually just chuck e cheese and we're just a bunch of weird college kids hanging out at chuck e cheese it was it was a weird time in our lives well great oh god we've come so far hey now we now we have kids so we're allowed to be in there um <laughs> we're going back baby <laughs> love it oh, no. love it well i just I, I know i'm uh i'm doing pretty well today too i think i've probably spent about nine and a half hours over the last uh two days watching a combination of college and professional football so nice to get away from that and talk to you guys today. so many games so many good games like good nights charge I was on. Like, yeah all day go nights charge on but like seriously like i think i started like noon yesterday and still technically going now like watching fantasy football scores i do say i think like wine oh, yeah is wine helping me with my health because now that i am drinking more wine i i am Mm-hmm. not drinking as many like beers as i might during this mm-hmm. time oh, and instead sure. i'm just like mm-hmm. grabbing a glass of wine because i have lots of wine in my house at this point is that better for me am i less problematic so at this point? i would say so yeah right? sure yeah is a glass of wine better for you than a can of beer there's there's antioxidants right yeah absolutely is that what they say full of antioxidants yeah. aaron's actually reverse aging in front of our eyes thanks to yeah. the wine. <laughs> I'm definitely classier. Got a real, real Benjamin Button situation going on over here. Yeah. Uh... Please drink responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love it! I love it. All right, well, listen, let's get into the wine today, guys. Like we said up front, we are drinking a red wine from France. Aaron, would you mind running down some more detail? And I would love to. All right. This wine is from the producer E. Gougal from the appellation of uh, Cote du Rhone in the southern Rhone Valley. It is a mix of three grapes that I will pronounce in worse and worse condition. It's Syrah, Grenache, and Mouvedre. Colin, help me on that last one. Yeah, no, Mouvedre. Some people say Mouvedre. If you get real French about it, it's like Mouvedre. I don't. I can't do it. I try not to get real French about anything, to be quite honest <laughs> yeah, with okay. you. So. That's fair. <laughs> so we're going to say right there. It is, man, another 15% ABV. So we have just been really going hard in the paint these past few weeks. Heavy hitters. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, got, we got our 2019. And, you know, we found there's a pretty uh, wide price range on this, depending on where you grab it. You can get it from anywhere between 15 and $20. And, and you know, it's around most 
wine shops. And I think there's a there's a couple of, of vintages out there too. There's you know you can get a couple different bottles. I think the price might vary depending on what year you get. I think mine was about sixteen bucks, twenty nineteen. Uh, and honestly, guys, that's part of the reason that I, I wanted us to try this one today. I I am a big fan of Cote de Rhone's and just uh, reds from the Rhone Valley. So I uh, wanted to bring one into the pod. We haven't done one yet. And I thought it'd be kind of cool to try one that's, you know, very, very accessible, both in just price point and also being able to go into, like you were saying, Aaron, any kind of wine store and grab it. I, you see it everywhere. A lot of restaurants as well, too. So. Uh, just kind of like a, I don't know if maybe you could call it an entry level Cotarone. So just want to try it with you guys, see if it's a, a waste of our wine. Hoping it's not, but totally prepared in case you guys do want to dog it. I know a pretty, uh, pretty good name on this too. Gugal is a very popular producer over in the Rhone, and he does uh, wine in the southern and northern Rhone. He's kind of all over the place. So or the brand. So if it's interesting to try different ones, if we do like this one. I would say, is this a guy? Is this like awesome. a, a person? No, it's not a guy. It's a it's a it's a brand. It was a guy, I think, at once. Don't quote me on that. Don't record me or anything <laughs> on that. But <laughs> we'll have to get the fact check department in on that. We've been putting them to work lately. Uh, all right, listen. Before we get into this particular wine, Colin, please, before we get off the rails, please teach us something. This is the only thing you will learn. So last week we started talking about wine labels and we went over the difference between new world wine labels and old world wine labels. And this week I want to continue that discussion and talk about the region on the bottles and what that means. And this may sound pretty intuitive, but do you know what the region signifies, Aaron, on the the front of the wine label? Where they produce the wine? No. Joel, do you know? Sound of a... Where the grapes are from. That's right. Absolutely right. So, oh, gosh darn it. <laughs> yeah, well done. I thought I might stump you with that, but that's good because I think that's a very common misconception is the region on the front label is where the wine is made, which is not true. You can make a wine here in Florida with Napa grapes and call it a Napa Valley wine. So the region on the bottle is a good indicator as to quality. So if you think about it from a hierarchy standpoint where you have, and I'm going to use California just for ease. You have California wine that can be made from grapes anywhere in California. Could be, you know, could be Lodi, could be Napa, could be anywhere. Could be in a place where grapes aren't really supposed to grow. And then if you have a Napa Valley wine, the quality is going to go up a little bit because why are people planting grapes in Napa Valley? Because after years and years and years, they know what grapes thrive in different areas. And then you can even have a subregion to go further than that, say like Rutherford in Napa, and the soils might be better, the climate might be better. So as you go up the scale and get more specific, and this is, of course, is a generalization and not necessarily a rule because you're going to find different levels of producer, you know, at different levels of the scale, but uh, you, you tend to see more quality and just a, a brief story where this can be important. I was picking up the Pinot Noir that we reviewed a couple of weeks ago, and the producer had a couple of different wines in the store, and I couldn't find the one that said Willamette Valley on it. I could only find the one that said Wine of Oregon. With what we just learned, I know that those grapes can be grown anywhere in the state of Oregon. And I wanted specific Willamette Valley because, you know, based on quality, and I know I like Willamette Valley wines, I want a Willamette wine. So I asked a very nice gentleman if he could point out 
you know, the same producer, but the wine from the Willamette Valley. And he takes a bottle of the same type of wine I was holding, turns it around, points to the back where it says wine made in the Willamette Valley and says, this one is from the Willamette Valley. And, you know, while he's technically not wrong because it was made in the Willamette Valley in this case, the grapes weren't from the Willamette Valley. And that's what I was looking for. Did you um, tell that man he was wrong or did you smile and nod and save his dignity? Yeah, I smiled and nodded. And then as he left, I put that wine back and I did a little bit more searching and I found the bottle I was looking for, but I didn't want to blow up his spot right there. You know, he's supposed to be supposed to be the expert, but uh, in that situation, he was not. All right. So, so, okay. So, so, uh, so the big takeaway there is like on the label, can you always find both? Can you always find the region of the producer and the region of the wines themselves? Or is there one that always has to be there? So the front is always going to be where the grapes are grown. They might have where the wine is actually vinted or made on the back, but as far as the front, especially in Europe, if you remember our discussion- Old on world old versus world new versus, world. Yeah, that's right. They don't ever put the grapes on the front, so it's almost always Ooh. just going to be, like this one is a really good example. It just has Cote d'Arone on the front. It's, it's You're just usually gonna find the region where the grapes were made. Awesome, Colin. Thank you, man. It's a, I feel like I, I learned something uh, once again, I will never look at wine labels the same. Now, this is this is what part two. Of part two. How many? Uh, Thirty six. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I'm just going to do three. I'm going to wrap up the rest. The barcode. Let's talk barcodes. Can yeah. you really wrap up something as in depth as labels into three episodes, Colin? <laughs> yeah. Well, I you know I could make it four or five, but um. You know, I think the rest of the information is not as important as that's why I wanted to break this one out because this is really the meat and potatoes of it. No, I know. I got to be honest with you. I have been, if I didn't make it clear last episode and right now, we have been ragging on Colin about labels as a concept of a multi episode <laughs> uh, segment. And I, I, you know, just like eating my words on this one because I just keep learning something and I'm like, oh, that is actually really important for me to know to make informed decisions about buying wine. Uh -huh. So, thank you, Colin. You're welcome. Who thank does? you for everything. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> well absolutely. done. That's why I'm here, right? That's why I have the segment. All right, guys. So let's move it along. I know we've had these wines open for a little bit, so uh, let's get into the wine. <sighs> Tastes like wine. All right, so the Gugal Cote de Rhone 2019. Let's give it a swirl and see what we're picking up on the nose. Aaron, we'll start with you. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, man, I don't know if it's just me. I, I opened this up a little bit ago and I've been swirling. It, you know, it's not the most aromatic red wine that we've had. I feel like I have to work for it a little bit. I don't know if you guys are experiencing anything different, but. Yes, I am. And I don't disagree. Yeah. I do. And this I is think the second time that we've had this disagreement. Maybe this is my problem. Maybe it's my nose. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's my nose. And here, here's what may be the thing here. It's not, it's not super like you know fruit to the face. It's not very floral. What I am getting is the a lot of really the more earthy kind of honestly like a, a leathery smell here. So I don't think it's the fact that it's not as aromatic. It's that what it's really presenting here. It doesn't doesn't 
punch you in the face. You know, it's a little bit more subtle. I think that's what I'm getting at. I think I'm, I'm like comparing it to some of the bigger ones that we've had. And maybe it's the type of smells that are coming out of it that just aren't as... Because I'm not saying it doesn't smell like anything. Like, obviously, if yeah. you stick in, you, like, really smell like there, there's definitely... I would say, like, there's, like, a berry smell to it. Like, there's, like, a, a more... Like, you know, mm-hmm. kind of, like, leathery, mm-hmm. you know, aspect of it. It's just not... It's Maybe it's, like, the, the fruit-forward aspect that, like, you know, we've had in a couple of them that have just been, like, really in your face. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'll I'll help us explain. (laughs) What might be more helpful is just to clarify some terms. When we talk about like expressive versus not expressive, we're not really talking about flavor per se, as much as whether or not you really have to stick your nose into the glass to smell anything. So I don't, you know, Uh... you you don't really have to stick your nose in. Like you get quite a bit from a, a distance away. So I would say this is actually pretty expressive when it comes to just like flavors coming at you see obviously okay so with under that description i'm gonna say this is your level your level two nose because i i don't know i feel like there's been some that we've opened up and it's like whoa and like this one i i do have to like stick my nose in it and you know i've got a good i've got a good nose yeah this might not be as bold as some other wines but uh you know i don't i mean i'm not in the glass by any means and i'm still still getting it do some science class wafting, maybe. Uh, yeah. Oh, there you go. A little bit of wafting. Remember, keep doing that. Say. Hold it, arms length. Absolutely, I remember that. Don't I waft? Hurt yourself. Yep. Colin's like, shut up. Talk about wine. No, no, <laughs> I, I just don't know what you're talking about. So I'm like, I'm just gonna let them waft because I, I'm totally lost here. I don't know what they're talking about. Just let them off. Your science teacher sucked. Hopefully, they're not listening. <laughs> Well, Colin, you said uh, you said that you know you you think it is expressive. What are you medium expressive? It's not like in your face expressive. I'm not saying this mm-hmm. is the most expressive wine we've ever sure. had, but uh, yeah. So I am getting definitely some black cherry, some strawberry in okay. there, a little bit of blackberry as well. Oh, interesting. Yep, and then there's a lot of I think that leathery note, almost like. Yeah, like tobacco leaf almost. Like if you ever had like a, a vanilla e cigar. That's kind of what this smells like. It's it's really nice. Um, I enjoyed the the nose quite a bit. It's really it's quite a bit going on. Joe, you got anything else in there? Okay, I I no, I I was with Colin on a lot of that. I'm just I'm shocked at how I you said strawberry. I'm not getting any of that. Mm. And I might be wrong. It's Again, just funny. It's just it's what funny. I smell. So no. Yeah. No, of course you no, no, no. Like you've said many times, it's not wrong. It's just mm-hmm. I think it's funny how, like, different. You know, mm-hmm. the experiences are probably because you've you know had a lot more wine. But yeah, it's just that's that's one takeaway. <laughs> but no, though, I think you guys have between a lot a lot of the cherry, like we've been saying, the leather. That's that's pretty much what I'm getting here. Well, I just I just want to say one more thing. I do want to say that I feel like, again. A few of the high ABV wines that we've opened up in the past, you've immediately gotten yeah. hit with that alcohol-esque kind of like burn to the nostrils. Mm-hmm. Feels very like Will Ferrell of a statement. And this does not have mm-hmm. that. Like this at all is a 15% alcohol. So it is a high alcohol wine, but it, it, at the very, from a smell level, it, it smells very balanced. Yes, it does. In that sense, if that makes sense. I don't know if you use balance in that way, Colin. No, you can. Yeah. No, I think I think you nailed that. Yeah. Good. Cool. Yes. Should we Good. taste this? Yeah. Let's taste it. Aaron, I'll throw it to you again, buddy. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna toss something new out. Ooh, hit me. Can I can I say like can I say like chocolatey? Yeah, you can. You can. You can I say feel it. Like there's like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> say it. 
I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would agree. Just like I might, might be making up strawberries. Uh, I don't get any chocolate. Nah, you don't get any chocolate? Is it that you're getting chocolate? I, I am not, but I would like to drink this with some chocolate. No, I'm getting, I'm getting like a, like a chocolatey reminiscent aspect of this. And I feel good about that. <laughs> Are you Googling it? <laughs> oh. oh, did you look it up? Is that why you said chocolate? <laughs> unbelievable so there it's literally on this motherfucker's got the cliff notes up on the side <laughs> during his presentation my god unbelievable Unbel- he didn't even he didn't even taste that he didn't even taste it he just read it off the internet all right yeah, yeah, yeah. okay okay I, I was i gotta say like i looked it up ahead of time trying to do my research trying to learn about the wine and stuff i saw the flavor note on there I can't, I don't taste, I don't taste chocolate. I actually <laughs> was like curious if you guys did, uh, and you both said no. I do not. And I'm just like, all right, fine. Screw it. All right. So there's no chocolate. I don't know. Toss it over to you. Yeah. Joel. Well, what I'm getting is, I'm going to throw you a little lifeline here, Aaron. I'm getting things that I think would be. Thanks, Joel. <laughs> I'm getting things that I, I think would be associated with chocolate. Vanilla, yep. the berries that we've been talking about. While I'm drinking it, I'm getting a lot more of that leatheriness. And Colin, I don't know if it's just because you said tobacco leaf earlier, but yeah, big time, Mm -hmm. big time. Also, I would just say that, you know, this wine in general, I think very down the middle of the lane in a lot of ways. And I mean that in a good way. I think it's, it's not extremely bold it's a little bit acidic but not really in your face it's very dry that's probably like the the one thing that's the most you know one side of the spectrum that i would say but is it dry um, af joel yeah super um i don't know if i would call this one dry af would you call it i think it's like dry af plus dry AF plus. well i'm very conservative with my my stamps i don't just want to just want to say it to say it my guy you know yeah no you're right it has to be it has to be actually be dry af but you're right. No, this is this is just regular dry. This, this is this nice is dry. And dry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Colin, what do you think? What I get out of this is a lot. What we mentioned on the nose, you get for me anyway. The blackberry, a little bit of that strawberry, some black cherry. You also get a little bit uh, that you're. I don't think I brought this up on the nose, but it's kind of like that European funk. You know, just a little bit though. It's not too intense. Um, and then all those oak influence. Tell me more about this European funk. Okay, so what I mean by European funk is a little bit of horsiness that you get, kind of like the the farmy type note. It's not too much, but I think it's in there. Again, maybe I'm just all the way off tonight. I don't know. But I'm getting a little bit of it. And then all of those vanilla and oak notes. So what's the difference between European funk and California funk or American funk? Like 3,500 miles. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) old world funk versus new world funk yeah that's right very similar to the wine labels no you don't usually find a lot of funk in the new world so you'll see it from time to time so i i refer to it as because europe is known for their funk (laughs) well that's where you usually find it so that was why i called it that all right anything else any any other notes that you have found in your searching uh, go ahead and check Google, Aaron, one more time wow. to see if there's anything else that we no, missed. No, you know, I was just going to say, like, look, look, y'all, I'm obviously feeling like I don't have the strongest sense of picking up different individual tastes, 
I do want to say, though, I feel like I've gotten a good handle on the overall balance and structure of a good wine. I agree. Uh, you know, to, to quote Justice Stewart from 1958, you know, I, I can't define it, but I know it when I okay. see it. He was talking about porn. I'm talking about ah. wine. Um, <laughs> I can't give you all the, the pieces of, like, what makes it a good wine, but I, but I think I picked up, like, when it's a good wine, and I want to say structure-wise, balance-wise, this feels like a very balanced wine. Like, for the alcohol level, like, oh, you don't taste the alcohol at all. Medium body, like, acids, good. Like, I think overall the structure of the wine is solid. So I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to start leaning more into my comfort with the with the structure and, and not talk about plums. All right, I think we've identified uh, everything that we can here. Let's go ahead and get into the reviews. Yeah. But did they like it? It's time for the review. Okay, uh, Aaron, I'm going to start with you again, buddy. Uh, give us your review. Yeah, I'm going to start with like a, a semi-controversial take because I have a feeling I'll be the only one. When I first opened this bottle and first poured it out, I actually didn't like it that much. Like my first couple sips, I, I wasn't a huge fan. But as it aired out and as I followed... Colin's advice and I swirled and, and did all the things. I like it a lot. I think this would be a really great wine to just enjoy, to to uh, bring to a friend's place. I'm actually thinking about like what I would like to pair this with. Like I'm like, mm, I'm trying to go cook a steak right now and just kind of have this great steak with wine. my mm-hmm. with with a steak. Mm-hmm. Like just feels like there's just enough flavor there to like really add to to a good to a good meal. So I'm I'm liking this one. I I think this is um a classy ass wine to bring over to a friend's place, um to to pair with a dinner. It's going like firmly, uh, in the center of of uh my kitchen table for sure. Yep, yeah, I agree. And I don't think your ori- original statement was that controversial because I totally agree. I think this is one that you really need to let open up. This would be a solid, uh, decanter wine, and by that I don't mean the publication you just read my mind i was literally about to ask you about that because i've been seeing a lot of videos of people like pouring wines into a decanter ahead of time Mm -hmm. and i have little experience of that outside of like the random bar or restaurant that i've gone to where they've served it that way Mm -hmm. but as an actual like part of the process of serving a wine to better that wine i was i was literally just about to ask you if that's something that we should do with this one yeah, 100%. And it's all about aeration, letting the air get to it. It really does kind of cool it off a bit, bring it back. Because you're right, this was, it, I mean, at 15%, right when you open that bottle, you, you kind of get a little bit of that alcohol. So there's no doubt that the air really helps this one out. It helps bring out the fruit, too. One thing I've noticed as this wine, as we've been talking, you get a lot more of those uh, secondary flavors with the oak and the vanilla and that kind of stuff when you first open the wine. But now... It's it's a lot more fruit forward, which is nice. And those secondary aromas have kind of taken a backseat, which I, I think for me is what I like. So with that said, I totally agree. This is a kitchen table wine. I'm really enjoying it. It's it's really good. Honestly, like this is probably at the price point, the closest thing I've had to a wine fridge wine. I really, really enjoy this. Like this is my kind of wine to an absolute tea. The only thing that's probably keeping it out of the wine fridge is it's just it's a really solid wine but it just doesn't like 100% like blow 
my face off, you know, like for the wine fridge. I know we haven't done a wine fridge wine yet, but I just feel like it has to be super special. And this is just a really, really good quality wine at a really good price that you absolutely need to be drinking. Mm-hmm. So go pick this one up because it's mm-hmm. really, really good. I feel like we're getting closer. The wine fridge wine is coming. It is. Coming. And yeah. again, like I, I think I, you know, I could have put it in there. I could have put it in there. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to put it in there. This is a wine This is going to be the first one. I really, really enjoy this wine. And I think at 17, 16, 99, 17 bucks, like, I don't know if you can get much better at 17 bucks than this. You know, it's just, it's, there's a lot of complexity. There's a lot going on. It's just a really good all around wine. Um, and I think, I think uh, I'm, I've talked myself into putting this into my wine fridge. So this here we are, boys. is truly a historic day on the Stop Wasting Your Wine podcast. I can't believe it. Wait, we, we got a, a, a JFK like voice. <laughs> oh, there was a little JFK in there. I just sometimes when I'm really excited, I go a little JFK. It's happening right now, but that's awesome. Joel, I'll, I'll, first of all, congratulations to Colin for putting a Y in, in your wine fridge. Fantastic. That's huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And congratulations to Joel for picking yeah. Thank you. the wine. Yes. Joel's a champ. That is, Joel's winning, by the way. Uh, Colin made a crack after his episode, like Colin won there in mm-hmm. zero. Uh, Joel has mm-hmm. bonus points now, I think, some kind of system, because you just put his in the wine fridge. Yeah. Yeah, we, we should have to work some kind of. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll workshop that, but um, yeah, Joel's absolutely winning right now. Yep, Aaron's still dead last. I mean, I'm not wrong. Wow, a hundred percent. But okay, <laughs> so Joel, man, Colin just put your wine in his wine fridge. Where are you? Okay, first of all, I'm breathing the biggest sigh of relief ever because the whole reason I wanted to bring this wine to you guys again, like I mentioned up front in this podcast, is because. I love Cote de Rhone's. I love everything that's going on in the area. And I wanted to see if there was a really approachable, cost-effective Cote de Rhone that was good. And for this one to be the first wine fridge wine, I'll stop wasting your wine, warms my heart immensely. I'm super excited. I'll tell you something. I When I was at the, uh, the old wine shop, I got the Cote de Rhone for us to try. And then I also got the Chateauneuf de Pop from Gugal, from the the same producer, because uh, I wanted to try, you know, what they kind of what their best might be. Yeah. Which, real quick, yeah, listener, if you're not familiar, Chateauneuf de Pop is a sub region of the Southern Rhone. So, as we were talking about earlier, as you get more specific with region, the better quality you can expect. Chateauneuf de Pop is kind of at the very top of that quality chart. Sorry, Joel, just go ahead. I just wanted to explain that because I don't know if everybody knows what Chateauneuf de Pop is. I appreciate it because it also helps to make my point here on something because uh, this bottle, $17, the Chateauneuf de Pop, somewhere around 54 55 something like that. I have not tried it yet. I'm expecting very good things, especially after trying the Cote de Rhone. Uh, but it goes to show you the the price difference as you get a little bit more specific in the region and you get to those areas that are, you know, more more known for even the the premium grapes and, and the best wine sort of a thing. So because of that and because of the $17 price of this Cote de Rhone, 
I would like to also put this in my wine fridge. Is that okay? Can we have a double wine fridge <laughs> in one yeah, show? Yeah, of course we can. <laughs> That's wild. And I think you you nailed it with the price. It's like this wine drinks like a $30, $35 bottle of wine. You know, I would happily pay $30 for this bottle of wine. And to get it at 17 or 16 whatever it was is an absolute steal and that's why i think i changed my mind about putting it into the wine fridge because the value you get out of 17.99 just is blows the the crap out of anything else we've tried in this price range so it, right now from what we've tried anyway this is absolutely the king of the 6.15 to you know call it 20 dollars wine it's really fantastic so just to give our, our listeners a quick reminder, because we've never had a wine fridge wine before, the rules of this game is, is simply that each of us have three slots in our wine fridge, and those are our three best of our best wines that we've reviewed. Colin and Joel have just put in their first entry uh, into their wine fridge. That does not mean it'll be there forever. That's right. Uh, eventually, uh, when as we become uh, older men and we've done thousands of episodes of this show, um, <laughs> there will be multiple wines competing for those three spots. So for right now, this wine is is sitting in one of uh, three spots for the for these two gentlemen. We'll see how long it stays there. That's right. But I think for the first first one ever, this this really this nails all the points that I look for in value, flavor. It's just well balanced, like you said, and a fifteen percent alcohol. You really, it's, it's just so, it's just good. It's just good. Go drink this wine. Wow! So what a day, Colin and I both have our first spots in our wine fridge filled. Aaron still got three spots there, buddy. So looking for that that first one. So hopefully find that one soon. So clearly, after these reviews, not a waste of your wine. One that we fully endorse. Please go out, try this one. Tell us what you think about it. And and Aaron, how can people uh, interact with us out there? Look, right now I am making some real cute Instagram posts and reels and stories. Mm-hmm. I'm learning a lot about social media. We would love to have folks engaging with us, checking out our account stop wasting your wine obviously at instagram but also like go to our website stopwastingwine.com we have all of our episodes up there you can listen right on the website if you have a preferred platform we have a link that'll take you to spotify to apple Podcasts, to google Podcasts, or whatever i don't know what they're all called but they're all on there we're on them all we're, we're on them all we are everywhere we are in everywhere the web we are we are just floating through the air right now And what we would love, if you have been enjoying these episodes, please share it with your friends, share it on your social media, send it, email it, send it to your mom, whoever, just help us out. We would, we're, we would really love any support that you could give us. We're just three middle-aged men trying to do a podcast. (laughs) 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 It was really good to that moment. Facts. Facts. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. No, that was perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for us today. Thank you guys so much again for listening. And as always, stop wasting your wine. Thanks for joining us. See you around, y'all. Bye. Bye.